What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Matthew Anthony Hawkins here with another Around Town in Jilliwack podcast episode. This episode is with Darren Blakeborough, professor from UFV, all-around cool guy. I had a chance to sit down with Darren and talk about the work he does at UFV, classes that he teaches there, and also the things he's involved with outside of the university. I sit on a board with Darren, the Chilliwack Creative Commission Board, and it's been cool being able to get to know him over the last year. Uh, really cool guy, and uh, not your typical looking professor, I must say. I hope you enjoy this episode. Darren brings a lot of cool stuff to the table, so sit back, enjoy, and listen to this episode of Around Town in Chilliwack. I am here with Darren Blakeborough. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going very well, thank you. Uh, lovely little setup you've got here. I, I quite like this. Thanks. Yeah, it's a it's a good working environment. Lots of distractions. Yes. <laughs> now I know all about distractions. I mean, I have two offices, and I generally try to work at home. But sometimes I just have to leave and go sit in my office because I don't get anything done with all the distractions I have at home. So. So what kind of dis- distractions are you talking about? Um, technology, television, films, music. Yeah. Um, or the greatest tech or the greatest distraction of all, like I always say, you can come over to my house and you know that I have a huge pile of marking that absolutely needs to get done immediately. Yeah. Because the floors are washed and the walls are washed <laughs> and your house is in perfect shape. Absolutely. You because you have marking, and, did you? Yeah. That's the one thing that I can justify not doing my marking is while well, clearly I need to scrub the house right now. Yeah. So marking who are you? What do you do? What's uh, Darren Blakeborough about? Uh, oh, God. And I'm going to pour us some. I got uh, Old Yale's new uh, Old Paddle Pilsner and their uh, West Coast IPA today. Excellent. I'm looking at it and I'm already getting thirsty. You want to try the Pilsner first? Uh, yes. Pilsner is always my preferred choice. Is it? Yeah. Just because I'm not always a fan of some of the stronger different brews that, that you get. Yeah. And I found it. Pilsner tends to be the most palatable across the entire spectrum. Yeah, it's pretty safe. It's the least offensive, potentially. <laughs> so Darren Blakeborough. Um, yeah, who are you? What do you do? I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. I do a lot of different things. Um, I prob- To be honest with you, I do too many different things. I Sometimes I wish that I would have focused more just on something specifically and became really ridiculously good at it instead of going, oh, I'm also interested in this and this and this and then being okay at a bunch of different stuff. But I guess if I had to put some kind of a label on it, um, I am um, technically what's uh, an assistant professor at the University of the Fraser Valley in the Social, Cultural, and Media Studies Department. Yeah. So I teach uh, media and communication and sociology courses. That's awesome. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I started at UFE in 2004, and then took a year off when I went back and did my PhD coursework and then I've been there solid again since I guess 2005. Wow. And so some of the classes you teach at UFE, what do you what do you got going on? Um oh and cheers by the way. Yeah, thank you. I mm. wet the palate. It's going to be a long Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good Friday. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um I'm very ridiculously fortunate. In fact, I mean when I even when I went back to school um, I had owned a video store for ab- about 12 years beforehand. A video store. So what's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, right? I know, but some people might not. I know. I have students like that. Um, back in the day, when you were sitting at home on a Friday night and you're like, I would like to watch a movie and you'd look to see what was on your 15 or 20 channels that you had on your TV and nothing was on, then you used to get in a vehicle and drive to a building. And in this building... They had um, originally what were called video cassettes, um, these square plastic things that had magnetic tape in them, and you would put them into this machine that you had hooked up to your television, and it would play you movies, and it was really weird. And then later we got into the DVDs, which are still around and we kind of have in use sometimes, and people would come there and rent them and go home and watch them and then return them the next day so that somebody else could watch them. But you had to return it on time. That's right. Or you had late fees. That's right. Or... With the, the cassette part, you had to return it rewound. Yeah. Or you had rewind fees. <laughs> very, very so weird. So where, where did you own a video store? Here in, in town? In Better Crossing. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, originally, it was 
see, this is how long ago it was. When I bought it in 1986, 87, um, it was a beta store. Oh, okay. There's, yeah, there's that classic uh, battle between beta and VHS. Yes. Sony versus the world and Sony lost. With the superior product, they lost. Um, So we started bringing in in VHS and it was called Vetter Video for the longest time. And then uh, we moved to the SO spot there that it's now a car wash. Um, (laughs) But we moved in there and and rebranded ourselves as Marquee Video and, and did that for a while. And then the base closed and Shaw started doing video on demand and things like that. So uh, late 90s, sold it. Uh, said, okay, now what? I uh, tried my hand at, at acting for about a year and a bit and blew through our entire life savings. Um, <laughs> and Lesson like, learned. Yeah, well, okay. well, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, for sure. Um, now what? So the wife and I both went back to school. I was going to go into uh, like advertising marketing. I had done a a radio broadcasting thing in 1992. Um, always wanted to be a DJ, but also saw that that was kind of a dying thing. Yeah. Um, started taking courses, and then I realized with a couple of the media studies courses I was taking, I'm like, wait, I, I can study like professional wrestling and TV and movies and heavy metal, and that's like homework. And, and get paid for it? Yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> totally in. And I am, and I just kept going and went and did an MA and wrote about the Simpsons and that opened up every door in the world for me. Smartest thing I ever did. Yeah. And so now I get to teach courses like that. So I have a, um, a course called uh, TV and Social Values, The Simpsons. Um, I have taught courses on uh, The Walking Dead and, and zombie culture. Um, I've taught courses on professional wrestling. I, I, I teach on... Uh, this summer course that I'm doing is called Taste and Culture. So we get to look at all different kinds of things, taste and obscenity and art and the philosophy of aesthetics and why we value certain things and who gets to write the rules about what proper taste and bad taste and why do we revere Shakespeare and despise South Park, you know, all kinds of cool things like that. So I have the greatest job in the world. I love it. Yeah. And so it's, it's like you're taking your own personal passions and turning it into education. Yeah, that there's a term I guess in the, in the social sciences. It has traditionally been um, the researcher needs to have distance from whatever it is that they're researching so that they can remain biased. But in the last you know decade, decade and a half, there's been an emergence of what's called an acafan, so the academic fan. Mm-hmm. So the researcher studying from within the phenomenon that they're looking at. So my research on professional wrestling is as a fan and somebody on the inside. So, you know, and I've got to, you know, for instance, interview my lifelong wrestling hero, Bret Hart, you know, yeah. things like that. So it, it's Bret really the Hitman cool. Hart. Hitman. Yes. Mm. With the sharpshooter. Yep. I grew up with 80s wrestling, man. It's the best. It, it really... Well, actually, the 90s. The 90s was the best. That was my favorite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess I was like 10, 11, 12 when I was like full on right into it, which would have been early 90s. So it was like that the tail end of the 80s and then into the 90s. That's so, what I loved. So you were getting Hulk Hogan in the WWF at the time was just ending and it was moving into that new age with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Undertaker Undertaker and yeah I think when I started to get out was kind of the Triple H era like when that started up all right when it started to get really good <laughs> See, yeah you're a fan so it, it probably has just progressively gotten better and better for oh, you oh it's horrible right now is it oh dude yeah it is um, wasn't the Undertaker in a recent uh battle was like it was his retirement battle kind of thing yeah <laughs> he's shaking he fought, his he head fought at wrestlemania first of all he should have retired years ago yeah he has become a special attraction so i mean he fought a couple of wrestlemanias ago and then didn't fight you didn't see him all year until the next wrestlemania um this past year he he wrestled a couple of times but i mean he's he's in his 50s now yeah um he looks like it wrestlers don't age well as a general rule well that um, might have something to do with <laughs> the toll that their bodies take. Yeah. Yeah. You have guys like, you know, Mick Foley, who's in his 40s, and he was at WrestleMania too, and, and the guy could barely walk out. Yeah. He ring. looks like he's 70 years old. Yeah. It's all crouched over and gimped and limped. And, yeah. And, yeah, but I mean, he's made millions of dollars, and that's the price that Throwing he Throwing himself for him. on a, you know, a 
stack of nails on the yeah. mat of the but ring. It's, but it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him bleeding all over the place is Yeah. Fake. Totally fake. Um, yeah. So the professional wrestling stuff. Like I know, actually, it's the coolest thing in the world sometimes when I, I don't know, um, pull my phone out and it's like, hey, what, is, what does that say? Oh, that's Bret Hart. That's Bret Hart's phone number, right? You want to call him right now? You want to call him right now? Yeah. I just, yeah. He's my hero. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. Since, me since too. the yeah. 80s. Actually, even before that, like Stamp, my my grandfather was who got me into wrestling, yeah. and he was from Calgary, so I was familiar with Stampede Wrestling. I, I remember watching that on Saturdays all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, it was wrestling was Saturdays. That was the wrestling day, yeah. right? I remember All Star was at like three o'clock, and at eleven o'clock you got uh, AWA on KCPQ, and then you got. <laughs> I know, I remember that all in the eighties. Yeah, love wrestling. Yeah, my uncle was the one that got us, my brother and I, into it, and we just fell in love with it right away like yeah it was awesome yeah um so you're aside from teaching you're also into music yes what uh what are you into uh well as a fan i like everything except country music i hate <laughs> country music. i just can't do i don't get country music yeah. i just don't get it yeah um and then somebody will invariably say well what about you know johnny cash and hank and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, that's not really country music. That's that was, like outlaw, yeah. rebel, rockabilly kind of thing. And I do like that. Yeah. I don't like the, the, there's, which is funny. Okay. So in the 80s, I wasn't a huge fan of, of the hair metal stuff, right? Like maybe for a period in the early 80s, but then my taste got heavier and, and harder. So I always kind of had something against poison and warrant and stuff like that. But country music now, Sure sounds a lot like that did. And, and, really? And it, there's no surprise to me that like uh, somebody, uh, what's the singer from Poison, Brett Michaels, also has a countryside project. And Ron Keel, who was the singer of the 80s metal band, Keel has a countryside project. And so they're, they're very similar. And maybe that's kind of why I don't like it. But other than that, <laughs> I love music. Yeah. I love jazz. I love blues. But... My go-to music because I'm I'm into heavy metal. I love heavy metal. Um, the harder and heavier, the better. Yeah. I love death metal. Yeah. I love grindcore. I like some black metal. Um, so are you in a band yourself? Yeah. Um, I'm in a band where uh, we play 1980s hair metal covers. Yeah. And and we do it in full regalia. You know, uh, makeup and wigs and spandex and call ourselves glam chowder and we play glam chowder glam chowder so i've been told to ask you how you came up with that name i stole it you stole it yeah thanks troy <laughs> from what from troy from troy yeah troy that used to work at uh um toes music okay troy the guitar player jason lum's buddy so i knew him from there and and this was let's in the 90s and we were playing uh out at, at, we were kind of the house band at the Lido in Harrison doing uh, like top 40 covers and stuff. And he was working at Toes Music all the time. And during a conversation someday, he mentioned that he always wanted to do that kind of a project. And he had the name and everything. And I don't know, five years later, I'd never forgotten that name. And I'm like, he's never used it. He's never done anything with it. So I totally appropriated it. Yes. And it was funny because we were at Jason Lum's Christmas party and I'm like, hey, Troy, how's it going? He's like, good. You still using that stolen name? <laughs> so, I'm like, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. You won't let it go, will he? No, but we had a good conversation. It's, oh, there you go. It's funny. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I stole it. Funniest teaching story. You've been teaching for a while. What would you say is your funniest teaching story? Funniest. <sighs> I don't even know if I have like a. Oh, maybe I do. Okay. Yeah, I was actually... Okay. <laughs> First course I ever taught was the fall 2004, and it was uh, advertising a social communication. So we're halfway through the class, um, like through the semester, and I believe our, our topic that day was we were talking about uh, culture and cultural variation in language and how that affects advertising. So, you know, putting the ideas out there about how some things are lost in translation. So there's a couple of examples that I always use. So, for instance, when, when Chevrolet introduced the Chevy Nova to the Latin American market, they just took their English campaign, did a direct literal translation, and, and that was good. Now, they couldn't understand why the Nova wasn't selling in South America. And it's because Nova means no-go. So <laughs> who's going to buy the Chevy no-go? 
So we, we talk about things like that. And then there, there were some other words. So I'm like, you know, for instance, um, in, in Canada, what is a napkin? And something like, oh, that's like a serviette. And you don't even wipe your hands. I'm like, yeah, okay. And now in Britain, what is a napkin? And they're like, oh, uh, like a diaper, a baby diaper. Right. Okay. Um, and, and then another one that I offer up as an example is fanny. So I said, so what is fanny in North America? And someone said, uh, it's your bum. Okay. And in England, silence. And then some girl puts up her hand and I go, yeah. She goes, um, front bum. Like, yes, I guess it is. I guess it's the front bum. And I still tell that story every time I teach that course. Yeah. The front bum. Yeah. The bum and the front bum. So I think it was probably one of the kind of laugh out loud moments. There's, also ones that I guess are funny just because they're so disconcerting to realize. I don't know how ill-prepared for life some people are. <laughs> I don't know things like that. But yeah, I would say that's probably the funniest one, at least the one that pops to my head. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with some of the classes that you're teaching, um, like Walking Dead, um, or is it is it more zombie culture and then Walking Dead's just a... a- yeah, it, it's zombie culture. I think the original idea when we came up with the course was probably to do a Walking Dead course. Yeah. And then the realization as I started to go through the literature that there's just a lot of zombie literature in general. Mm-hmm. And so by broadening it to zombie culture or zombie media, um, I think there was a lot more more teachable material yeah. than, than sticking strictly with The Walking Dead. Although we did, we do talk about The Walking Dead and read about The Walking Dead um, as a graphic novel. Yeah. Um, but primarily, we do look at, at film and television. We watched the pilot of, of The Walking Dead, for instance, and actually watched a couple of episodes and would relate it to other readings that we did, even if they didn't specifically talk about The Walking Dead. So, right. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Zombies, have you gotten into that? No. No? No. Basically, there- every Marvel superhero turns into a zombie yeah i've heard um to tell you the truth there was a period maybe a year and a half or so ago where i was like i just wanted to immerse myself in everything zombie and then i realized that like anything else when it gets popular as a cultural idea there's a lot of crap out there yeah i'll tell you right now marvel zombies is worth the read is it yeah okay yeah it's very interesting uh i sat on the fence about it for a long time same sort of idea like okay i'm kind of done with this zombie thing I enjoy reading Walking Dead, but I don't really want to get into a whole lot of other stuff. And then uh, the guys at Toy Traders, my go-to comic book store, um, they convinced me to pick up volume one. And I just blew through it and I went back and like, can I get volume two and three? And yeah, it was it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. I know like I did that with the Walking Dead. I just got the first volume originally a few years ago and loved it. And yeah. then... Once the show started playing on TV and then the show, you know, even though it veers off here and there past where um, I was at, I don't read beyond that now. Okay. Because I like to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Same with Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't want to know. I'm so glad, for instance, and spoiler alert for anybody, if you've never watched Game of Thrones, then whatever, I'm going to talk about season one. Yeah, that moment. you've had your time. Yeah, you've had time. <laughs> I believe it's a fourteen-day window for a spoiler alert. Is that the okay? So in a lot of my podcasts, we bring this up: spoiler alerts. Like, there, there's no general rule. Like, I'm like, is it a week now? Like, because stuff gets posted online immediately, right? right? Like right now, uh, Iron Man, Captain America, Civil War. Yeah, guaranteed, someone's gonna post something today. Yep, and it came out today. Yep. So I don't know what's the window like. How long? I personally, I give someone fourteen days. So if I want to talk about an episode um, that happened ten days ago, and someone says, "Oh, I haven't seen it yet," okay, yeah, I can't publicly talk about that. But if it's at fifteen days, I'm like, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, well, that's your problem now, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. we want to discuss it. Yeah, so for I don't, sure. Yeah, I don't know how I came up with a fourteen day window. That's but, a, to me. That's a generous window. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Force Awakens, when that came out in December, yeah, I was less than a week. Like, yeah. And if you haven't seen it yet, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, it bothers me too when you say you're talking about Breaking Bad when it's right at the end, the last couple of episodes, and then there's people like, no, no, I'm only in season two. Yeah. Well, well where your, have you been yeah. the last <laughs> how many years? Yeah. Right. Glad you're enjoying it and on board finally, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, spoiler alerts, and then I totally interrupted you there. 
Oh yeah, so Walking just Walking Dead. That that er, Game of Thrones. Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones season 1. That moment in Game of Thrones and I and I assume you've watched it. Yep. Um We're good. We're past that 14-day window, okay. so just the whole Ned thing and then the red wedding and all that. I'm so glad I don't know those moments are going to happen yeah. because I literally sit there and pick my slack jaw up off of the ground like, oh my hell, did you just see that? And I don't want to not have those moments. Right. I love that anything can happen and I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I don't read ahead in The Walking Dead. Right. Like right now where it ended at the end of the season. No, I haven't. Yeah, there you go. I have. I watched half of uh, the season finale, and I haven't watched the end yet. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. We we just got uh, too busy, and so yeah. Have so, you read past though? No, I I where I am right now um, in the graphic novel is which they kind of touched on it in the show a little bit with the hill. Um, yep. The like the village on the hill. Um, I've, I've read into there on the graphic novel and then I haven't read past that. And so now that the show is kind of moved past it, it's kind of still involved with it a little bit, but this whole Negan thing and yeah, I, I haven't read any of that. I don't even know if it's in the books or what. So. Yeah. It's actually, yeah. Like I didn't read right up to it, but it, it seems like it's actually following it pretty closely Yeah, at, at the end of the episode. So, okay, cool. Um, but I still had to stop reading Anyway, something happens to somebody. Yes. And you in The Walking Dead. Yeah. And you don't know who it is. Yeah. And if it continues to follow the book, then unfortunately, I think I know who it is. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I'll say. Interesting. Which is why I wish I... It was impossible not to read up to that and not see oh, that part. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I wish I didn't know. Yeah. And I hope that they change it. Yeah. Just so that I don't know. And then I can go, oh, it got yeah. me. Well, that's the funny thing watching Game of Thrones with my wife. Um, she's read all the books. And so she knew all this stuff was coming up and I'm watching it. I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan. Um, but when somebody dies, you know, I'll turn my head towards the TV and yeah. watch for a little bit. Um, and then the whole uh, Tyrion storyline, he's awesome. Like, he's just so yeah. good. And then uh, Arya, the, the girl with the needle, she's been fascinating to me too but other than that those are those are my two main storylines that i like watching and yeah yeah i remember what two seasons ago when when aria was cruising around the countryside with the hound i was like man i would totally watch a tv show called aria and the hound oh yeah that was fantastic aria and the hound and the adventures yeah <laughs> entertaining yeah okay so uh right now we're kind of knee-deep, waist-deep in the uh, U.S. election process. It's been uh, pretty exciting. <laughs> it's been entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So, can equating that to pro-professional wrestling, how would is there a lot that's similar between the two, with the U.S. election and, and pro-wrestling? Well, first thing is point out the obvious connection to professional wrestling in that Donald Trump and Vince McMahon are friends and Trump has been on several WrestleManias. I see. I didn't even know that. That's he, yeah. pretty fascinating. He's been in a hair versus hair match um, against McMahon. Don't quote me on this, but I think Donald Trump might even be in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Really? Um, there, there's a definite connection. So is, like, is he like backyard buddies with the McMahons? Like, Yeah, well... It, it started, I think, as a business deal. So WrestleMania 4 um, was held at the Trump Taj Mahal Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Okay. Um, and there have been other major events held at Trump property. So I think it started that way. And, and you know Donald Trump never wanted to shy away from any kind of publicity. So I believe he's been involved in a few angles and storylines and stuff as well. And, and as far as I know, they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. So has he taken some lessons he's learned from WWE into his uh, his campaign? I don't even know what to say, dude. Like, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say. I honestly think that when this started for Trump, he had no... He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to win. How can I win? Yeah. It was literally publicity for him and for the things that he does. And, you know, he'll turn this into a new reality show or something like that. And then all of a and because you look at his campaign and he didn't have a real campaign. Yeah. He has one now. He's hiring people now because yeah. he didn't have that before. He had no expectation of being where he is. Despite his bombast 
He really didn't think that this was going to happen. Nobody thought this was going to happen. Well, the Trump supporters did. Oh, are those real things, though? Like, are those real people? I don't get that, man. I've heard, I don't believe it, but I've heard rumors that he was actually planted by the Democrats to go in there and, like, destroy the Republicans from the inside out. And I don't believe it for a second, yeah. but it could almost make sense. Yeah. Because that, that's what he's doing. Well, it looks like it's going to be um, Donald versus Hillary. Yeah. And if there's, like, connection, as people say, Hillary and the Clintons and Donald Trump in the past. Clintons were at his wedding. Yeah. Is this, uh, you know, setting Hillary up for an easy win kind of thing? Like... Can there be an easy win? Because, like, literally, Trump can say anything. Yeah. Like, he says the last thing what that a politician just, like, should ever say. Just blows it up at the very end. You know, pulls himself from the race. But yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. That would be crazy. It's it's insane. This whole thing, like, the further we go along with it has been more and more insane. Like, it goes from, wow, I can't believe this is happening to, Wow. Yeah. How is this happening? Well, that moment when Trump said, you know, I could walk out into the street in Manhattan right now and shoot somebody in the face and kill them in the middle of the street. My poll numbers would go up. <laughs> the and fact like, that he can say that, not even just that he's like threatening to do it, that he says that, like which presidential candidate has ever just said that? Right. And his poll numbers went up <laughs> yeah. when he said, that. oh, I love him. He's a straight shooter and. He says what he thinks. Pun intended. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I don't get that at all. It's scary as hell. It's, yeah, like, but like you said, it's entertainment. Like, it's become entertainment. And it's not become a political campaign. It's, what's he going to say now? Yeah. Right? And what's he going to do now? Plus, if we've noticed anything in the last eight years, I mean, the president doesn't have a lot of power anyway. There's other power structures behind the scenes that are the, the real in control, like George Bush wasn't the guy, you know. He was <laughs> For good he was reason. the puppet guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Wow, it's interesting. It's something. What about uh, right now, Chilliwack? Let's focus on Chilliwack a okay. bit more. There's uh, we got a lot lot going around in town. Yeah. Um, what's your take on you know like property crime and theft downtown and these targeted killings? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're there. It's all, I mean, it's, it's a thing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's so, it's, I understand concerns that people have. Like if you're a business owner in the downtown area, I mean, you know, homelessness and, and, and drugs and prostitution and those things are there. They're like at your front door and customers aren't coming in your front door because of where you are and something needs to be done and you know so those things would you say those things that we have going on right now and it's been ongoing for a while are those products of a growing city or is it or do we have something different going on well no i i don't know if it's something different i mean you you look what's going on right now in chilliwack i think happened a while ago in in abbotsford um, and happened before that in Langley and happened before that in Surrey. So I think it is that that growing city just by virtue of, you know, the more people that you have, the more incidents like this are going to occur. It's a, you know, it's a numerical reality. Yeah. Um, and I would like to say something like, well, you see things, you know, blown up out of proportion, but I guess having some dude stabbed to death in the middle of the day downtown in front of a large group of people isn't, you don't really need to sensationalize that. Yeah. Although it is still a bit of an anomaly. I mean, for the most part, we, can, we can't we can lose sight of the fact that there are horrible things and things that need to be addressed and dealt with. But we still statistically are the safest that we've ever been. Um, you know, our chance of, uh, you know, being robbed or mugged or assaulted or anything like that is, is the lowest that it's been. Um, that doesn't mean that people aren't robbed or assaulted or mugged or that homes don't get broken into. But, you know, statistically, we're, we're still doing good, which I, is no solace for, I guess, somebody who suffers from one of these crimes. But, yeah, it, we can't 
we can't polarize ourselves by going extreme to one end or the other, which like politics in the United States is happening here too. And, and that's probably why I'm not on Facebook um, yeah. as much as, or I don't read comment sections as much anymore. It just, dri- <laughs> it drives me nuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll just go on YouTube and read the comment section. The, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> that's enough to drive you nuts for a, a good day. We were talking about that in class one day and, and I just said, you know, you could find a YouTube video for the cutest baby in the world. And yeah. would find the most vile comments in the YouTube section. I guarantee it. Yeah. Someone said, do it. So I walked over to YouTube, put it up on the screen. And my search term was like, world's cutest baby. And YouTube comes up, number one, world's cutest baby. So we click on it. And it's a cute baby. I don't know what world's cutest, but a cute baby. And we scroll down to the comment section. And comment number two was like, you know, uh, this is a poster child for retroactive abortion. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go. Done. The world's cutest baby. Second comment saying, kill your child. Yeah. People are horrible. I always say this. The greatest thing about social media is that it gives everybody a voice. Yeah. The worst thing about social media is that it gives everybody a voice. Yeah. It's so true, though. And the amount of bravery that comes from sitting behind a keyboard is just insane. Yeah. Louis C.K. does a, a really good comedy bit on that. He said it's human empathy yeah. that young people don't have it anymore because you learn empathy because kids are so when you look somebody in the face and you go, you're fat and stupid, and you see their face scrunch up as they get ready to cry, most of us have a human reaction to that where we're like, oh, that didn't make them feel good. Now I don't feel good. But you lose that behind Online. a keyboard. Yeah. So you're like, you're fat and stupid. Sand. <laughs> that was awesome. And you never get to see the response of that other person. Yeah. Therefore, you don't have that empathy response. Right. And... Although it's a joke, there's probably some truth to that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you, you, that human connection, you lose it completely. Yeah. You can do that to 10 people in one minute, and you think it's hilarious and the impact that you've made. And I, I know people that, that actually do that, like intentionally. Mm-hmm. They, for a long time, are trolls. That's what They just go all over the internet, stirring up shit. Yeah. And why? Have they told you why? Yeah, because it's fun. <laughs> they, they love to go into a discussion forum and start fights and then get people fighting against each other and, and then, then they just, just go somewhere else. Yeah. And the- <laughs> That's what they do for entertainment. That is their pleasure. Wow. Weird. Is there a name for that? There's got to be some sort of classification for that besides trolling because that's... Is it just trolling? I've always just known it as trolling, but yeah. Trolling... Is intentionally going out there and looking for that stuff rather than just being, you know, the guy that's a part of a community somewhere and then says things to other people. That's just a That's different than a troll. (laughs) So you've done some studies on the homelessness in Chilliwack, right? I have. And like how long ago was that that you were working on that? Uh, The most recent one was a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, I did a qualitative study where we interviewed 27 homeless individuals in Chilliwack. Okay. And what what you learned from that? What what did you pull from that research? Well, we wanted to know um, what they thought they needed as far as services and housing in order to help them out of their current situation. The main thing that we realized is that, I mean, we talked to 27 individuals and they're all different and they all need something different and they all want something different. So I suppose the most important thing is that there's no, you know, one size fits all solution yeah. to homelessness. That's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah, there's not. Um, and and there is a new approach to homelessness uh, called housing first, which kind of recognizes that it's it's client centric. So the idea is that um, immediate housing is available to anybody that requests it, and they do not have to meet any, uh, like they don't have to be clean. They don't have to say i'm not going to drink they don't have to agree to go into treatment they don't have to do any of that right it's like put it in a house and put them in a house safe and secure housing which was one of the other things that that came out of this study is there is there are some horrible living conditions in chilliwack that people live in and we saw some of them and we heard about some of them 
Um, no human being should ever have to live like that. Um, it, it's not living. And I mean, technically, they're homeless, a lot of those people, even though there is a roof over their head. Yeah. They don't have any stability as far as long-term housing. They're, it, it's not safe. It's, it's technically not supposed to be inhabited by a human being. Wow. Um, so for reasons like that, so they, you know, would need somewhere. And uh, housing first, the idea is that you get somebody housed and once the safety and security of housing is in place, it takes a lot of the pressures of everyday life off of them and then they can start to deal with the underlying issues rather right. than the other way around. Um, and that was kind of backed up in the research because we did do interviews with, with formerly homeless people that are now living um, at the health contact center in kind of like a transitional housing thing where they're going through different programs and they're there for two years and then they're supposed to find a place on their own. Yeah. And when we interviewed them, they all had plans for where they wanted to be in, you know, five years, 10 years. The homeless people that we talked to, we always asked them at the end of the interview, where do you see yourself, you know, or would you like to see yourself in five years? I don't think any of them were able to really articulate a future. Um, some of them outright even said, I don't know what I'm doing 10 minutes from now. I'm worried about what I'm going to eat today, where I'm going to sleep tonight, and frankly, am I going to be able to get enough money to buy the drugs to make me forget all of this is actually going on. Yeah. And five days, five weeks, five years, forget it. Yeah. So that idea is kind of, that supports the housing first, right? That once you take care of that primary concern, then they can work with other things. So um, hopefully that's something that will be emerging from this. Because uh, I think it was Medicine Hat in Alberta, right? They've done that where they've taken care of or they're trying to make sure that's the housing first. Yeah. Is it Me Medicine Hat or Lethbridge? Or or is it Leth I can't remember. I can't remember. I always mix up the two. Me um, too. But basically where they've taken that principle, that if everyone has a safe, secure place to live in, then we can deal with the other issues after that. Salt Lake City has done it. Chicago has done it. Edmonton's done it. I think Edmonton's the biggest success story in Canada. Really? I think they've had around a 40% reduction in chronic homelessness in the five years that they've been approaching it with the homeless uh, housing first. Calgary is, you know, maybe 18-ish percent reduction in chronic homelessness. Toronto, Vancouver, Nanaimo. It, it is the kind of de facto approach right now because yeah. it's a services approach. And it's a policy approach as well. Okay. So why why the the draw to Chilliwack? Like, why is our homelessness going up? Like, it's it's clearly, if, even if you just drive around for a day, you're not even from Chilliwack. You can tell that we have, um, I wouldn't say a problem, but it's definitely evident that there's a fair number of homeless people living in Chilliwack. Um, uh, you know, to be honest, I would, I would say it would be fair to call it a problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, anytime you have citizens that have nowhere to live and are forced to do whatever they need to do to survive on the street. Yeah. One person is a problem. Um, yeah. This is something that not everybody likes to hear, but part of the interviews was we asked everybody, you know, where are you from? Um, the, the female homeless people were actually mostly all from Chilliwack originally. Yeah. Um, the male population had come to Chilliwack there was one or two females that had come here as well and from other places um, either up north or you know um, west and it was mentioned that Chilliwack is kind of known for having really good services and people that care okay. so if you were living in Surrey and things weren't very awesome there then go to Chilliwack Really? So, so there was some. So, are you talking legal services or illegal services or both? Um, no, the the legal services. Okay. So they could get food easier, yeah. and they could get um, access to you know maybe treatment or counseling or things like that easier right. than they could in places like Syria or Port Coquitlam. So there there is kind of that people like, hey, Chilliwack's a good place to go. They take care of you there. They actually really care about you. Yeah. So a lot of people come to Chilliwack for that. So say Chilliwack um, brings in a policy of for uh, these safe homes, right? Like giving people a safe, secure home to live in, safe, secure housing. 
uh, will that do you think do you see that being in um, creating more issues for the future or does it or does it help us in the long run well I mean theoretically it, it should help um, or do more people move to you know like do, have they've done studies where do more homeless people end up moving to Edmonton or Salt Lake City or and then you're you know it's a snowball effect where you're having to deal with trying to find more safe housing well I don't know if there are studies but I mean anecdotally or or, or theoretically I mean, I think that if I were homeless and living on the streets in Abbotsford and found out that Chilliwack, you got a place? Yeah. I'm going to go to Chilliwack. Yeah. Um, is that a bad thing, though? If, if we're able to help people that need help, does it matter if they're from Chilliwack or Abbotsford or Surrey? Does it just matter that they're a human being that needs a roof over their head and yeah. we can help them? So. No, I, I don't uh, but that, disagree that, with you, but yeah. I just, I'm curious, are we, say we do something like that, are we just inviting more, more problems? I'm, I'm just trying to... No, I get, I get it. And it's a question that will definitely be asked. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of opposition to these ideas. Oh, yeah. Well, anytime you try and present any sort of idea, there's going to be opposition. Yes. Right. There's always going to be someone that hates whatever idea you have. Yes, as was so eloquently pointed out every week on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Fantastic show that was. That great idea of having open public forums so that, again, not everybody needs to have a voice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Parks and Rec, is, has it goes down as one of our favorite shows. Yeah. Like uh, we, we'll go back and watch it. Yep. Love that show. Yeah. Andy Dwyer um, kills me every time. Mm -hmm. And the fact like he started out with that, and now look at Chris Pratt right like guardians of the galaxy and star of jurassic world and yeah watched jurassic world last night and i said you realize that in 2015 chris pratt with uh jurassic world and and uh guardians, guardians of the galaxy probably is the highest grossing actor yeah. on, the, on the planet yeah andy dwyer yeah andy dwyer the fat doughy guy with the broken leg he was so fat when he yeah. started that show like if you go back and watch season one yeah yeah and yeah, then he, he got... fell in the pit and broke his leg, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then he lived in his tent in the pit <laughs> because he wanted to stay close to his girlfriend, Anne. That's right. Yeah. And then he got that job on Zero Dark Thirty and just got shredded. Yeah. He stopped drinking Budweiser, he said. That's, Is that what it that's, was? That's what he said. He just stopped drinking Budweiser. I'm like, yeah, no. You got a personal trainer and yeah. a personal nutritionist. Yeah. And you worked out three times a day and didn't eat anything. <laughs> Although I've heard that about beer like i remember oh, i can't as remember. we sit here and drink beer right i can't remember where he was interviewed uh kid rock and somebody said you know hey you've lost some weight and he's like yep stop drinking beer now i only drink vodka <laughs> like 20 pounds just like that yeah so i think every summer i'm like i'm only gonna drink vodka this summer <laughs> that usually lasts for about four days and i'm like no man you need beer especially in the summer yeah sitting out in the yard and nice sunny day yeah and podcasting, I uh, I was bugging Paul Henderson that podcasting and beer drinking they uh, they're synonymous. So yeah, it. yeah. Phil, have you seen Cloverfield Lane? Um, no. Ken Clover with uh, John Goodman. No, it's on my to see list. Yeah, yeah. It's another JJ. There's a course for you. Cor I was trying to write down course ideas for Derek. <laughs> <laughs> the like he is a cultural phenomenon right now. Like directed Star Trek and Star Wars. Right. Right. Um, part of Lost, like the you could do a whole course on Lost, but the end of it would probably be like just completely disappointing. Yeah, here, here's here's my course on Lost. Season number one is awesome. Season two Don't, is great too. Season two is okay. Do not waste six years of your life on this piece of shit show. It was awful. Oh God, I kept like I we kept watching it, hoping, oh, it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better, and it just kept tanking. Well, I read something last week. See, I kept thinking the same thing, too. I got like, okay, this stuff is all going to come back in at the end, and it's all going to make sense, and it never did, and it was stupid. Yeah. But I read the other, like, literally two or three days ago that the dude that played Mr. Echo yeah. was supposed to become kind of a spiritual leader of everybody that was going to kind of challenge John's authority. John, push the button. Yeah. But I guess after three episodes or so, he was like, I don't want to be in Hawaii. This is stupid. Write me out. Let me go. And they got into a huge fight and finally they're just like, fine, go. And they killed him. <laughs> and have you read about the writers for the show? 
how they would come up with episodes? No. It's just basically what's the stupidest, craziest thing that we can do on an episode and let's do it. I think I realized at a certain point that they don't know what they're doing. It's not... See, it's... Okay, we'll go back to wrestling. Really good wrestling, at least for WWE, would be right now. Sit down and think, okay, next April is WrestleMania. What do we want our WrestleMania to look like and then work back from there? Yeah. And then you know how to get from here to there. And that's how a good narrative on a TV show should be. So Law should have been like, okay, we know this is the premise at the start of the show. How do we want this to end? And then you work your way back. Yeah, where they started from, we're going to crash on this mysterious island. Yeah. And stuff's going to happen. Right. And <laughs> hopefully the pilot gets picked up. And it didn't. They're like, we got picked up. Yeah. Oh, Which God. JJ was a part of the pilot. Yeah. And you could tell that, that because it was awesome. Yeah. And then as he further removed himself from the creative <laughs> process, that show just went to shit. Yeah, totally. Oh. But JJ, so how we got started here, like Alias, he was part of that. I love that show. It was so good. For the first two seasons again, though. But I, I watched it to the end, though. Did like, you? He, oh, yeah. Like, I bailed. Did you? Yeah. Uh, and so Lost, we watched to the end. Uh, Fringe, did you ever get into Fringe? Again, first couple of seasons of that. And then one day I was like, what, it's still on the air? It's worth picking up and watching to the end. I think it's only five seasons, maybe six. And the whatever the last season is, it's short. It's like 14 episodes or something. But um, talk about a show that ended up like circling back and like yeah. ending well. It ended well. Okay. Yeah. That, it's on that, Netflix. It's worth yeah. watching. And that's one I would consider having on in the background maybe while I'm marking and doing stuff. For- there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, uh, the Fringe, speaking of Fringe, I um, would track down their sets through uh twitter why uh the hashtag yvr shoots and would find where they were shooting fringe and ended up getting to meet uh uh walter bishop uh what's i can't remember his real name now um and then uh and then i also got to meet uh joshua jackson ah Uh, josh have you seen the movie one week i don't think so it's on netflix too canadian independent film He uh, finds out he has terminal cancer and decides he's just going to walk away from his life and do things the way he always wished he had. Hmm. Bought a motorcycle and then travels across Canada. Yeah. So it's it's great. Uh, so I got him to sign my, my DVD. I know the movie you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Good soundtrack too. Yeah. So uh, uh, Fringe was one that I kind of invested myself in. and So yeah, we got to meet uh, Olivia Dunham from the show. And uh, when she was pregnant on the show, which was weird because we got pictures with her and she's got like this baby belly and, you know, it's totally fake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. What what else has JJ done? Um, I've got a movie in my head, but I don't know why I think he's associated with it. Uh, Super 8? Oh, yeah. That's him, right? Oh, there you go. That's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie, too. Yeah. We saw it opening night and then uh, like a week later, I went to go back to go see it again. Um. Yeah. So Jay, that was his, like his first original movie that he did, where he wrote it, directed it, um, original storyline, everything. Um, Mission Impossible Three, I think, was his first movie that he directed. But you know, he's kind of revamping that whole franchise. Yeah. But it was great. That that movie was way better than Mission Impossible Two. Yep. And even Mission Impossible, the first one. But yeah, there's a course for you looking into the life of and legacy of bad robot founder jj abram see that's interesting but because uh bad robot well that made me think of mr robot did you watch that show first no season? good good show yeah first that's a christian was... slater one right yeah yeah very cool yeah um at ufv we we don't have like film per se mm-hmm. there are some film studies courses now just at UFE within media studies, which is where film studies should be. And I do talk about it and touch on it because it was part of my my graduate studies and, and I actually TA'd introduction to film studies at the University of Calgary. But at UFE, most of the film stuff is housed in the um, fine arts okay. department. So visual arts and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, so we have a good relationship with them, but yeah it's like oh man i wish we 
had film studies so could do more film study stuff in media studies oh yeah that would be cool you could get into some really cool stuff yeah so how far in your class with about the simpsons how like what range do you go with the simpsons like how far uh, every, everything everything yeah everything that is simpsons related is is potentially so what season the are table. they on right now 20 26 Six? yeah that sounds right that's insane quarter yeah. of a century that that show's been running yep Longest. All because it's animated. There's no way that it, it could have done this if if it was real life. And so do you have a favorite uh, Simpsons character that's your go-to guy? How, how do you not love Homer? Like, literally every time the guy opens his mouth, I laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I probably relate to Lisa the most mm-hmm. because, you know, she's the, for lack of a better word, the, you know academic the logical rational one yeah that at the same time still just really wants a pony and laughs at at itchy and scratchy and and that's how you know i feel sometimes that i am so there's the academic part of me but at the same time i still love gross vile humor and and things that you know aren't necessarily always politically correct (laughs) so and i teach about you know um consumerism and advertising and i still really just want stuff yeah i want to buy things yeah you know what i mean (laughs) so i find myself being like lisa and i we're simpatico but homer that guy makes me laugh he's your man yeah it's yeah the simpsons that's where we started we loved it and then uh then how they paved the way for a family guy like a guy like seth mcfarland was for everything yeah oh yeah like it's opened up a ton of stuff and now, see, here's the Seth MacFarlane crazy thing. Three seasons, 2001, 2002, they were canceled. Yeah. Um, brought back because they sold more DVDs of seasons one through three than any TV show had ever sold. Was it called season one through three? I think, yeah, because I've got seasons one, two, and three on DVD. Are they called seasons? You should I- look. They're volumes. Are they volume? Yeah. Okay. They, and they make jokes about it in the show. Really? Okay. Maybe. Guy. Yeah. Why? Why would we want to list things by season when we can list them by volume? Because <laughs> I don't think they follow like a rational order. Like it's like it's just kind of all over the place in that. So yeah. Not that the <laughs> the Family Guy has an order to things, but no, yeah. no. But you're right. So I mean, they only came back because of that, and then their ratings were good. Yeah. Um, and then he signed. Huge money deals with Fox and and his his movies, you know, for Ted and I'm just, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks awesome. again, man. Yeah, thanks. All right, cheers. Woo! Thanks for listening to this episode of Around Town in Chilliwack. It's a lot of fun to bring new, interesting people to the podcast series. Darren was a great pleasure to uh, to sit down and get to know a little bit more. So for Around Town in Chilliwack, I'm Matthew Anthony Hawkins, and we'll see you next time.